podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Ladbrokes. Welcome to the Whistleblowers this week. It's myself, Martin Gritton, joined by regular Whistleblower contributor Gareth Dobson. Um, Mark Smith apologises with illness, uh, but he'll be calling in later. Uh, Gareth, it was good to have you on the show. Uh, what were your highlights? Uh, thinking about some dark horses for the FA Cup. Big fan of where Wolves are going to be. Uh, quite enjoyed thinking about the worst defeats I've ever suffered as a fan and a amateur, yeah, terrible player. Gareth is a music industry mogul. We uh, we did a deep dive into that, but let's come back to Chelsea. Uh, if you're a fan of that or the FA Cup, have a listen. Cheers. Gareth, FA Cuppery. Um, scheduling, riveting chat to start with, but oh my God, pretty dire. It was, I, I think it was a little unfortunate that we had all these brilliant sort of giant killings and exciting games in the third and the fourth round, but unfortunately the fifth round, that kind of left a very sparse playing field. It was like the end of a massacre and there's just a few <laughs> random kind of troops stumbling around and no one can see where the generals are and they're all gone. Yeah. Um, there was obviously only one kind of big, big tie in terms of you know the the teams you'd see as favourites and that was Man United versus versus Chelsea everyone else kind of sorted through there wasn't even really a sort of edgy moment to speak of but hopefully better in the next round it's weird isn't it I, I think we were both at a game I was at when Palace uh, can't well it wasn't a canter when Palace beat Grimsby and I was in the Grimsby end and Grimsby took 5,000 and the magic of the cup. When you're in the midst of it, it's quite enthralling. It's the fact that these poor Palace fans are kind of forced to go there and watch their team put up a display against a team that just kind of, you're just waiting for every bit of chance, every luck, every, you know, whatever is going to happen. But you're assuming that something's going to happen for yeah. the underdog. And a good example of this weekend was, I think, if you were at Ashton Gate as a Bristol Bristol City fan and you know there was that point in the last five ten minutes where Bristol really pushed and Wolves yeah. kind of looked like they might buckle then the Bristol keeper uh, goes up and has a block shot and you're like this is, this is the magic of the cup this is the moment this is the highlight reel and match of the day for the next ten years and 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 then there's kind of what on the face of it at the end looks like a perfunctory one nil win for for Wolves so may, maybe a lot of kind of almost moments I mean you know Newport had their moment, you know, they were... Had many moments. They were down only 2-1 going into the 90th minute. Um, and suddenly you're like, well, maybe, maybe there's a chance. And then you blink and it's 4-1 to City. So, yeah, a, a weekend of nearly. Well, how do you feel about that? Let's stay on City there because I find that interesting. The uh, the, the shit pitch leveller klaxon, the whole kind of Phil Foden being like kind of... Uh, I find it weird when he was like moaning about the pitch. I understand other people moaning about the pitch, but yeah. Phil Foden saying this is the worst pitch of a, a Mancunian. Pampered. I mean, <laughs> there's no way on earth Phil Foden didn't play on some shitty Withenshaw pitch by the airport that was just like, going, you know what, mate? Listen, right, you know, it was not. 
like there's no Carrington. And by the way, I can do the accent because I've, I've been to Manchester. Not that I can do it well, and spend but time. I'm entitled to do the accent. That's all. Entitlement. You, you have a temporary visa. Thanks, mate. Okay. I, I I feel like I do. I certainly for after playing for Macclesfield, where we were the the dustbin for Man City, where they would just their offcuts would come to us. No offense to any of my old teammates, but they've on to go into better things. But my. God, Phil, for the the trainness of him going, oh, do you know what? This is the worst pitch I've ever played on. Listen, mate, the, the Newport do okay. So I, 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 I like this whole. There was an inference by him which was like, well, I'll never play on a pitch like this again. Yeah, yes. Okay. For oh, the next five years, I'll just be searching around the new camp. Phil, come on, mate. Um, Listen, but he 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 played well. He was probably the best player on the day, you know, his, his two goals were, were well taken. His second goal especially showed a, a bit of a land. He kind of sashayed through through the uh, the, the Newport defence and, you yeah, know, put a bit of a cherry on top of a game that maybe wasn't a fancy gatto, but... Well, nicely put in cake terms. If you... The one thing I enjoy about the FA Cup is if you kick it hard enough at a goalkeeper in the lower leagues, it will go in. Yeah. So, you know, that F, the, the kind of FIFA thing where it's just like, just kick it on target. You want free you bars chance. on that. Yeah. It works. It does. It actually works it in really real life. Does. These guys, don't don't worry about putting the cut. Just kick it hard enough and it will go in. And I admire that. And because, you know, I, I, I have a man that was a, you know, side, a, a 13 year side footer. Um, the people that strike it the hardest, and particularly when you come across an absolute zinger, yeah. um, which we've seen a few of from the Premier League boys. Well, I mean, sorry, without stealing somebody else's anecdote, uh, which I am, um, I listened to a really great interview with uh, Frank Skinner talking about when he went to uh, the England training camp in 96 when he was obviously doing Free Lions, and he said, you know, they were on the training patch, and he just kept hearing this kind of shh, and it was just Teddy Sheridan just like hitting these balls perfectly. Like not even looking like he's breaking in sweat, but just like hit, hit. And obviously, you know, that's something that really good footballers do. Who, who was the best? Uh, I'm so glad you asked. So when I was at Plymouth, I, I came out of university, turned pro at 21. I'd been on trial. I've said this before in this on this podcast I was on trial so long that they called me OJ at Plymouth <laughs> and I used to kick a ball so disgustingly that they were just horrified but also it was quite effective I'd get, it would get there you know um, but there was this lad that was just like effortlessly kicking these balls it was like kind of you know when you see a golfer hit a ball and you're like I almost know how that feels through the just screen the pain, that felt so pain. nice and uh, Ian Stonebridge was his name and he used to play up front with uh, he was in the England under 18s even at Plymouth that's how good he was he'd come from Spurs he was playing up front with uh, Crouch I do vaguely yeah. remember the name gorgeous gorgeous striker ball and he was the only person with the personality and I'm still good friends with Ian to be able to go up to if you go up to address him go how do you kick a ball like that how do, <laughs> how do you do that because I don't know how to do I, I, I was like even beyond me at that stage where you know, the farmer from Cornwall, even with a Scottish accent, was coming up and asking, how do you kick a ball properly? Because I don't know how to Teach do that. Me. Because clearly all of my goals are scored by the goalkeeper not knowing where it's going rather than me. Because the, the technique gives it away where it's going. And that's when the stratosphere just exists for these the best players of all time is because the goalkeepers know where it's going. And it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. Anyway, so Stonebridge used to kick this ball just effortlessly and he tried to show me a few times and then we came to the same conclusion that it's better off me just carrying on this. <laughs> you do you. <laughs> you do you. Um, uh, if, if we're going to get, <laughs> if we're going to keep these esoteric things, so the best strike of a ball I ever saw was the Spurs forward Roman Pavlyuchenko. 
Okay. Just absolutely. Completely incredible. did not expect that. No. And like, he just kind of hit it across the top and it would, you know, the flight trajectory was perfect. Like the ball wouldn't move. Yeah. Um, just, you know, you could read mighty Delta on it from <laughs> foot to net. Uh, absolutely Wonderful. amazing. He couldn't do anything else. But I, f- I find those, yeah, but those are the things we take great aesthetic in as fans. Yeah. And when, when people say it was a good nil-nil or when... It was, uh, you know, it was a, it was a honest defeat or something. You take something out of the game because you're there's, there's pride in it. Um, I want us to. I don't want to go down the wormhole on striking footballs as much as I'd love to. But um, the the Sari stuff. So the scheduling of the Monday night game almost made this disappear because it didn't come around quick enough for him. The Champions League, even yeah. though it's a day away. I uh, agree. It was. Uh, yeah, it was. I felt like another sort of low-level Chelsea capitulation. Um, I, I guess for the last 10, 15 years, every few years, it's like, well, well the Chelsea seems so they don't like the manager and they're not going to play for them. Um, I don't know. It's kind of hard to decipher whether that has happened. I mean, it's also worth saying that this is a very different set of players from, you know, the, this Drogba, Terry, Lampard oh, God, kind of yeah. thing who are meant to be running the team from within. Um, you know, you're now talking about Cantes and Hazards and and Iguains maybe, but it it's not working for, for sure. Um, Can't believe you've Iguained him in. It, just just already the poor guy. I know. He's just literally he's just right. He's not even found a nice deli, he's, and he's ruined the team. He's in with Terry. He's, <laughs> that's that's brutal. That, I thought he was one of us, Gary. I know. And and there was this kind of bizarre shot of uh, uh, Lampard and uh, John Terry sitting together in the stands. Which uh, watching the game, which seems very strange. I, I I don't know whether you know if you were the derby manager, why you'd turn up for a Chelsea game knowing that you know the fans are on the back of the manager, unless you maybe weren't completely against the idea of being considered for the next manager role. So it feels like he's there. Gareth, have the, I've got a nice tidy. Uh, segue for that one because I was at the Derby Chelsea match early in the season with a cup mm. match. Um, was it FA? It's, uh, shows you I was I was in the um, ironically with a um, a want away um, presenter uh, Mark Smith who's ill at the minute, but he is a Derby fan. Invited me along with Chelsea. And we were sat in the, just behind um, uh, some interesting characters at, at Chelsea and watched literally from yards away Lampard and Sarri and it was kind of when Sarri was still in this kind of honeymoon glow yeah. but uh, Lampard got the best standing ovation I've ever seen of any a visiting manager he's their Lady and Diana he's, <laughs> he's, he's Princess Diana to them oh, okay. the blue rose of oh yeah um, what is it I don't even know I, I try and block that train station out full and Broadway the Blue Rose of Broadway. Oh, he, nice. he, it was absurd. He went for a second lap, and I've and Lampard is a. I mean, he waited until everyone went out. Got a, got a double claps from the Derby end. Got double claps from the Chelsea end. I, I admired the chutzpah of the man. It was. Oh, yeah. I it, mean, if you're talking about uh, some chutzpah, this I is am a, always talking about. This chutzpah. is a player who retired essentially from. Premier League football and then months later turned up in a Chelsea in a Man City shirt and is one of the few players that has not been slaughtered for it. Usually when a when a player pulls the, the hill turn, as they like to say in, in the squared circle, um, you know, that that's it, you're done. You know, it's a, a good mutual friend of ours, Matt, who uh, 
is a Man United fan, you know, cannot abide Paul Ince because he pulled on the Liverpool shirt and that's it. But Lampard managed to go, basically, I'm off to New York, actually, no, I'm not, I'm playing for Man City, and he's still revered at Chelsea. He didn't blink an eyelid. Well, uh, sorry, Gareth, I was slightly distracted by my phone. Uh, there was a, a missed call from one to a uh, signal, Mark Smith. We'll come back to that at the end because I think he's probably got something to say about this. But uh, a quick note on Man United. So Ollie of Isengard or wherever he's from. He's rewrited the ship already. <laughs> Hasn't you know, he? The, the ship was sinking four days ago and now it's back up and he's now once again the best manager in the Premier League. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, he, he's, he's a man of... Uh, he's a Man United key ring, isn't he? <laughs> it's literally, the this is the Man United way, we go forward in this way. We're like, I'm I'm all in on that. I'm it's like, great. I and swear, I'd, most clubs could have a key ring as a manager. That's why I'm, I'm I reckon that you could have sound bites, six Just, yeah, solid sound bites. Yeah, but maybe I mean, winning, losing, and then, you know, but get you a coach. But you can see why, I mean, you know, there's obviously, the, there is the Lampard parallel for him. He's a beloved... Ex-player. He won in the Champions League, you know, Correct. in 99. And, but beyond less that, does forget. Let, less we forget. And, but he is also the antithesis of Mourinho. He's bright, he's positive, you know, he's sparky. He, he does good media without looking like a curmudgeonly terrible person. And he's clearly thrilled. He's thrilled. He's so thrilled. To be the Manchester United it's manager. beautiful. The, whereas, the enthusiasm is infectious. Whereas Mourinho looked like someone who turned up, was told he was going to play Father Christmas and... You know, he really wasn't very keen on that. It's, but, um, yeah, it's... So, I think Manchester United will, you know, obviously probably not get past PSG in the in the Champions League, but I do think that with a draw at Wolves, it's probably actually, aside from City, the toughest draw they could have got. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you still fancy them to go through, and I think that if Solskjaer can finish the season with a trophy, um, I think Man United will feel fairly good about everything. And fourth place. Very good point. Very good point. Listen, uh, Mark's wrong again. So we'll, let's let's oh, let's listen to this dross yep. from Signal. Because uh, to, to be honest, I'm the I'm the from the Liverpool of the eighties mentality. If you're injured or you sick, or you're, you're irrelevant to me. Okay. I walk past you, I ignore you. But, um, but luckily, we, we have a sympathetic uh, producer in Leon. He's he's going to make Mark. Um, let's let's see where he's going to say. This is the Vodafone voicemail service for... The Whistleblowers. Please leave a message after the tone. When you finish recording, please hang up or press the hash key for more options. Hi, Grits. Hi, Gareth. Uh, sorry I can't be there tonight. But I'm actually quite ill with uh, a bug and a fever. FA Cup fever, that is. <laughs> no, but also a genuine fever and uh, an illness. I don't know what it is. Uh, I did manage to watch the Chelsea United game last night, though, and actually thoroughly enjoyed it. First half was especially good and pretty well balanced, really. Plenty of explosive action at both ends, which is uh, not dissimilar to my illness. I don't want to speak too much about Sarri. Like, I'm sure you guys will do plenty of that, but it is mad how he uses his substitutes, isn't it? But there's only really so many ways a manager can directly influence a game once it's underway, and subs is one of them. And to hamstring yourself on making them so predictable is just, just baffling, isn't it? Um, I don't know, I'm normally loathe to suggest a club sacks a manager after such a short space of time, but it's difficult to see this turning around any time soon for Surrey. They've managed to find the only man that can compete with Jose for stubbornness, but without the history of success to back it up. Uh, we'll just wait and see. Uh, some interesting games lined up, though, for the quarterfinals. United are doing it the hard way, off to Wolves. That's probably the pick of the games. 
Man City go to Swansea. That should be quite straightforward. Uh, Palace visit Watford. That's the battle of the dark horses, I think. Uh, and Brighton have the pleasure of travelling to the den to see what homophobic chants the locals have come up with. Uh, obviously, I hope I'm wrong and the event goes off without a hitch, but what happened at Millwall Everton and the other round was absolutely sickening. Speaking of which, I'm off now to see if I can count the exact number of carrots I had for dinner last night. All right, cheers, bye. Thanks for that. Mark, uh, you can tell he's ill, can't you, Gareth, because the, the jokes really dry up. Yeah, I mean, it was another verbal dirty bomb. Um, but he dropped there. Not his best material. We do love him. Uh, thank you, Mark, for for ringing in uh, some valuable additions, and we hope you get well soon. Hopefully, see you next week. That's the end of the first half. Uh, back with more from the Dark Horses in the FA Cup in the second. The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Ladbrokes. Hello and welcome back for part two. It's myself, Martin Gritton, and Gareth Dobson. Um, Gareth, great to have you on the show again. Did you uh, did you take anything from Mark's words, or had you? I, I saw you were slightly distracted. Well, I actually no. I, I think Mark had some uh, some salient points. I, I actually was distracted because I just started thinking about the amount of times that Ross Barkley was substituted for uh, Kovacic this season, and vice versa. It is insane. It's like a weird. Uh, it's like a glitch. Or it's like a man, you know, with a man with a mistress and a wife. Like, he'll just flip between the two and he's so, never going to... Listen, it's fine. That, that I, There's nothing wrong with that. Okay, fine. Um, uh, so, listen, and that's not Mark, by the way. That's, um, that's, that's, a, that's an analogy. Is that right? Yeah, sure. Cool. So, I find it interesting this weekend, mainly because of the opportunity for teams that... The dark horses, essentially, that have an opportunity to win the FA Cup. Now, I think this is where it gets really interesting. This is, you know, people talk about disrespect to the FA Cup, but fuck that. I mean, for a team like Palace, Wolves or Watford, Brighton, Millwall, I mean, Millwall were there with Dennis Wise, who doesn't really count, but the rest of the ones that, you know, when they were up against like a massive team, these guys can actually win it. They're Premier League teams. I agree. Um... I will like to pull you up and not even pull you up. Agree. If we're talking about a uh, disrespect to the FA Cup, the most disrespectful thing about the FA Cup are the actual people that run it. And, you know, they've completely reshaped it into, you know, a Friday through Monday four-day competition, <laughs> kickoff times, which just beggar belief, you know. What, 5.05 uh, on a, I know, on a I know, Saturday at uh, the other side of the country? But no. it, it's, it's, it's just bizarre. And, I mean, it's fine. You know, every competition has been butchered and altered for... You know, for TV rights and, and worldwide viewership, and that's fine. But you cannot bang on about how you must respect our cup, how you must be, you know, you must treat it like this traditional, wonderful thing. And then the butch- butcher it yourself. So, yeah. you know, it's, I, I don't really understand why uh, uh, I got to this point. I don't know why I'm so rationally no, well, angry. What about I'm, it, what I'm worried about is you're jeopardizing my job for a job with the FA in the long run, Apologies. not that any of them will be listening. Let's come back to let's come back to the teams. Not, by the way, I totally agree with you. It is an absurd anomaly in those previous rounds, but we get to this point now where there's a little bit of froth. Oh yeah, you know, and there's a bit of a fizz about things. Well, I mean, I, I think you know. So we we take out Man United, and Man City as the obvious uh, uh, favourites, but then there's this kind of you know the second tier of Wolves, Brighton, uh, Crystal Palace, and Watford. You know, a super interesting teams. They are all, I mean, you know, Brighton might be a little distracted by their league form, but the other three are basically safe, look pretty good. And, you know, 
they are the classic on your day teams. I know it's yes, a cliche, no, but that's, you know, what, well, that's what we're here for. That's the whistleblowers. Yeah, Wolves we're, have done a done a rotter to to Man City already this season. So have Palace. And you know, let's not forget Andros Townsend's wonder goal. Um, Palace, you know, took Liverpool to limits. I think they went and got a draw at Old Trafford. Obviously, that was under Mourinho. But so, and they have decent cup history. You know, they got to the final two years ago. And you know, I think Watford and Wolves are probably the two best teams outside of the top six. Gareth, uh, in in some twist of fate, and this is something that Gareth isn't privy to, I have created. Uh, a list of the teams that man uh, that Crystal Palace in the 1990 game against Man United. Who did they beat to get that? And this isn't for you to necessarily get. Just to show you that when people disvalue the cup, let's have a look at the history of the most classic games. So in the semi-final, Liverpool versus Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace got there by beating four teams from the let's. Let, as, as Paul Harsley, a, a good friend of mine and an excellent football player who's now the, the youth team coach, under-23 manager at Man City, always says to me, the FA Cup doesn't start to January grits. And it's a very good point if you play for shit football teams, and I played for a lot of them, but it's a very fair point. So let's, not, let's, let's go from January onwards. Third round, Pompey for uh, Crystal Palace. Do you know any of the teams that they faced before Liverpool in the semi-final? It's mental. Let me just read them out to you. And again, it, it was a test only to be a prick. So fourth round, Huddersfield. Fifth round, Rochdale. Sixth round, Cambridge. Semi-final, Liverpool. I mean, we're not reinventing the wheel to say that the FA Cup hasn't lost its luster. It's the, the, these teams have... And I'm not disrespecting any of those football clubs because I would have been glad to take a contract of them between 99 and 2012. But... It's amazing. And then the final, Man United. And they beat Liverpool, 4-3 on aggregate. Or, or was it penalties? or 4-3 uh, extra, extra time. Sorry, you. ET. Not, yeah. There you go. But um, even Palace, uh, uh, even the route to the final of United was like Hereford, Newcastle, Sheffield United, Oldham in the semi-finals. And yeah. Oldham was like a bitter rivalry. Imagine that sort of game now. People would be like... Oh, which went to a replay as well, I think. Exactly. Yeah. So Rick, well, that must be Rick Holden years. It was. But in, just incredible, uh, like a lineup of clubs, and fantastic football clubs. But that is that is what makes the FA Cup great. No, it is. And so, I mean, that you know, there's the saying which like, it's not where you get to it's the journey on the way there but I'm not entirely sure that's true for the FA Cup I think by and large people remember the semi-finals if they're dramatic or exciting but essentially people just use it as an encyclopedia of finals and it's it's judged on that and I think uh, you know a great example maybe analogous to this year will be how Wigan beat Man City uh, five years ago now was yeah. it five six years ago now we could probably tell you how Wigan got there it was more that they were there and they managed to you know, slay the Giants in the 89th minute or uh, however when it was when Ben Watson scored. But um, so I think, you know, the FA Cup this year, like all the others will be judged on the last four teams. And if there is an upset or a huge moment in there, um, I think, you know, there's lots of fun teams left. And fun, I mean, in the sense of interesting teams, teams where, you know, Millwall and Brighton are interesting teams. They're fairly unique. They have their own kind of identities and narratives and, I but overall I think that the real dark horse for me is Wolves. Yeah. Um, you know, they, even against United. Yeah, it's it's the hardest draw they have, but I think they're a very capable team and you know, being at home is probably a key thing for them. Um 
it's not out of the question for them to beat uh, Man U and then, you know, who, there is a fair chance that in the semi-final they won't get a Man City. And then I think, yeah, they have a good chance to get to the final and there's a lot of cliches about what happens on any given Saturday afternoon. Yeah, there is. I almost there should be a film about that. Um, the, I, I agree with you up to a point. I think Man United almost feel like they've got, moved into... I totally agree that Wolves were a team that could beat them in the first half of the season. It almost feels like that that's changed. But I, I agree with you to some extent that Wolves would be the team to undo that sort of myth about a team because we've seen Wolves and Newcastle beat City this season yep. in situations where we didn't expect that. Um, talking of beatings, uh, you, Gareth, you highlighted something to me that uh, I wasn't fully aware of. Pro... Piacenza. Yes. Is, 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 this isn't norm. This is another. This is Piacenza light. This is a literally very light. A team with a different team that sounds like the famous team from the famous Syria. team from Piacenza. Yes. That, that that song we always sing. Um, but yeah, essentially pro Piacenza, who lost twenty 0 because they only fielded uh, seven starting players, all of whom I think were teenagers. Essentially, the club are teetering on the edge of existence there's no money no one's been paid for the entire season so they're down to whoever wants to turn up um and they had forfeited their last three games and unless they uh basically fulfilled this fixture they would be you know expunged from the league they, they would not exist anymore so turned out seven kids and and, and they <laughs> lost 20 nothing and uh, i think they oh, were 13 wow. down at half time obviously the uh, the opposition team kind of eased Keep off. Ball. I'd love to see the stats for possession. <laughs> in Ninety eight percent possession. Um, excited that an ex Spurs player uh, called Rodrigo Defendi uh, managed to score a quick hat trick in the first twenty minutes for for the opposition, who we Before. don't even need to name. And, and I'm doubting that seven even were there at the start. There was probably a couple in a, stuck in a. I mean, we've all we've all been through this. I love the fact that it's Serie C, where Serie C. It's almost like, you know, where they have kind of the world's greatest armies and then, you know, the fourth is like the Iraqi Royal Guard uh, after. There's probably a drop-off. I think the drop-off from Syria (laughs) A to C is probably one of the more dramatic ones. But, Gareth, in some... Because it's evocative, isn't it? It brings to mind the the most disturbing shit from my childhood where I can... I'm not football in the head at 15 because I was like, I'm sick of this. Got beat 20-0 by many, many teams. And then I, you know, I... Certainly nothing to do with me, but I play for better teams with better people around me because it's never about one player, but it it helps if your goalkeeper isn't like a cat flap, which, you know... And I, I don't hold it against that guy. But we've all been through it. So uh, did you did you have any experiences like that or, or, or potentially something similar? Uh, a couple. So, I mean, uh, the majority of my footballing days were spent at the Catford Power League uh, playing a lot of five-side football. And that's brutal. So you get to a certain point where, you know, suddenly you're in your late 20s or your early 30s and your teammates have kind of... They're feeling a bit. They can no longer just... You know, hit the turf immaculately, and then suddenly you're playing these these eighteen year olds balls. who are just dropping bombs on you. And you know, it's the, the first time that you know a sixteen year old does a triple uh, step over and just whizzes by you, and you're eighteen nil down. And you're like, maybe, maybe this isn't. It. So yeah, I, I've I've had my fair share of trauma, and then you know, as a Spurs fan, uh, the nineties were, were were kind of and the two thousand were pumped full of it. 
I remember losing 7-0 at, at Newcastle under Kevin Keegan. Jesus Christ. 7-0 at Liverpool. It was quite hard. But yeah, we, we, we got pumped quite a few I, times. I uh, I got beat when I was a player. I went back to Grimsby uh, with, well, it was an absolute disgrace. We got beat 7-0. My eight touches were all kickoffs. Uh, and that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Um, if there's an analogy to relate it to your current job, Gareth, as a, a band manager, is there anything that our listeners would relate to in terms of if you could have done or what might have been? So, I, I, I mean, so obviously I, I do the music thing and the music industry is kind of rife with the one and done, the, the, the one hit one. One uh, and done. One and done, yeah, one album. Explain that. So, uh, you know, usually when a band signs a record label, a big record label, they're signed for like a three or four album deal and a lot of money. And they're told, like, we're so excited about where you're going to be on your third record, on your fourth record. But the honest truth is, is if the first one doesn't go, you don't get to album number two. You, know, you no. just get the phone call or email saying, we think it's kind of best to stop where we are now. And cold. And off you go. And, you know, the calls stop coming and... Yeah, whereas previously you'd be like, can we have £50,000 to make a music video? And they're like, of course, brilliant. And then 12 months down the line, it's like, we, we need 500 quid to do this tour. And they're like, oh, no, I don't think Ooh. so. You know, suddenly the, 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 the purses just disappear. So I, I, the first band I ever managed, and I, I don't need to name them. You don't no. know who they are. Um, we <laughs> no, before that. Oh, um, a band called Battle who uh, had had one minor top 40 hit, um, but they were signed to uh, Warner Brothers Records. And same thing, you know, it was all brilliant, you know, marketing machine meetings with 12 people around the table, video casting people and amazing press officers. And and then the um, first single came out, went in top 40, and like, that was all good, that's progress. It's like, all right, we're in the 40, next time we'll get in the 20. And uh, then the second single came out. And so you get midweeks, the day after the single goes on sale, the industry already knows basically where it is in the charts and it gives yeah. you an indicator of where it's going to finish um, at the end of the week. And it was at number 56, which is a, uh, frankly, a disastrous... Out of, out of how many? Uh, I mean, that's you know, 200 singles put out in a week. But essentially, you need to be in the top 40. No one cares about what's I've outside seen top the, of the top pops. 40. You've seen Top Pops. This is how it is. You count down from 40 to 1. No one cares, about who's, work at, in the music. No one cares about who's at number 41. <laughs> so we've started at 56, and usually you don't go higher. You want to usually, um, for bands, uh, it, it's very arcane, but generally you're on the Monday or midweek, you want to be at 10 because you might finish at 20. Sure. They're at 56, so it was bad. And I get a phone call at 9 o'clock saying... Uh, can you uh, come in for a meeting? Just got a few things to discuss. I'm like, okay, what time? Sounds like fun. 10? And you're like, okay, I'll be there in an hour. You walk into the meeting room and like <laughs> everyone is there and essentially they are conducting a post-mortem on the band's career on their second single. And um, people go, well, the press hasn't been very good for this. And the radio person turns around and says, like, you know, it's not been great, but I see they haven't had a great... Uh, touring history in the last few months and everyone is literally just throwing everyone's getting their, their tuppence worth oh yeah it, it, it's the blame game it's everyone fights to see who they can blame first so essentially job. that is the I'm, disaster of music the comparable disaster I'm, I'm sorry that we've had to wrap up in such a, a shortened way that's, that was the music industry by Gareth Dobson <laughs> it's, uh, it's kind of 
I mean, it's thankfully it's nothing like the football industry, which no. is just a wonderful, wonderful, uh, rewarding sport. Um, <clears throat> Gareth, it was great to have you on. Have you got uh, any artists doing anything interesting that we should know about? Uh, so lots of exciting things getting ready for the year uh, at the moment I've been gone deep in the world of uh, psychedelic jazz bands there's an artist we're working that's with called... our crowd oh yeah Sunwaves um, who are doing uh, yeah great things and um, yeah you should check them out S-Z-U-N Waves no wonderful here. listen we'll probably link that back, uh, onto the pod uh, later on Gareth it's, it's wonderful to have you on uh, we had Mark Smith on earlier on for sick for a foul for whatever um it'll be good to have him back next week if if health permits uh leon as always much gratitude to our wonderful producer and um, that was the whistleblowers uh we've been martin grin and i've been gareth dobson thank you thank you the whistleblowers is back for the season by ladbrooks this is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.